0: Well, this morning is going to be a bit of a thinking sermon, so you've got to keep up, you've got to wake up, so you probably need to sit up, everybody. and I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation, so you really need to be alert. I won't call on you by name, but I might if I see you not in it here. Um, six, I, I, uh, I follow this app on my phone called Time Hop, and it shows you where your photos and social media was, like every year, like this day, as long as you've had your phone and your social media. And I like it, because I can see kind of where I was. Some things you don't want to remember, but some things you really do. And uh, this week was six years since I got my doctorate, since I graduated, my hooding ceremony. And so I was thinking about that, you. And I, um, I, I've done rather less surgery than I thought I would since becoming a doctor. <laughs> But I've been thinking a lot about my program this week and and thinking through how it shaped me. I, I got my doctor of ministry in what's called semiotics and future studies. Semiotics sounds really smart, doesn't it? Okay, semiotics, people don't know what it is, but it's a field of study. It's part philosophy, which is how you think and how you know what you know. And part linguistics, which is how you express things. Okay, so that, that can be speech, but that can also be uh, advertising. That can be a lot of I mean you 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 express yourself in a lot of different ways. The term semiotics come from the Greek word for sign. And it, the, John in the, in the Gospel of John loves this word. He talks about Jesus doing the first sign and the second sign. And a sign is not just like a miraculous sign, like it's like something powerful. A sign is actually kind of like a sign, like pointing to something, like a like a board, billboard. Okay, so signs are how people think and express in their lives. And you don't know this, but I've been teaching you uh, about semiotics for years. Okay, semiotics is the study of sign and symbol. It's how people think in terms of sign. Basically, all language is sign language. Okay, we, we've seen people do sign language, right? People have done it here in church, do sign language. Okay, where you have certain gestures that express certain things. But all language is fundamentally sign language. Like we all have this series of, of sounds that we make that's Jordan. And we all agree, that's me. Unless you know another Jordan, or you're talking about Michael Jordan, then you might have a different reference. It might be a different sign pointing to something else. Uh, and I can change my name, so then we have to change signs. Right? All language is fundamentally sign language. We're, we're, we're putting in symbols for what we're referring to. So I'm, I'm putting symbols in that mean Jordan, but it's not actually Jordan. Right? I'm talking about George Washington, but he's not here. I'm using symbols to talk about him, language to talk about him. Because all languages, like a lot of our languages metaphorical. In other words, we use, we use comparisons to learn things and to understand things. Okay. A lot of times we have metaphors that are our paradigms for how we understand things. So I've, I've shared this. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. But in the book, Metaphors We Live By, they talk about how, how we have, everybody in here has a metaphor for time. Fundamental to the way you think about time is, is a particular metaphor. Time is what? Anybody know? Money. money. Time is money. So tell me the things you do with time. What do you do with time? Money. You spend waste it, it, you save it, waste it. you waste it. You, what else? You had, anybody ever budget your time? Uh, you ever be out of time? Or you have lots of time? Do you ever give time to something else? You ever been on borrowed time? You ever had something take up too much time? You ever lost time, cost time? Been on borrowed time? Is something worth my time, we ask? You understand, like, everybody in here thinks about time in terms of money. Were you ever taught that? Like, was there ever time a teacher sat you down and said, Hey, listen, we all talk about time as money. Like, no, you just know that. Like, you've learned that. That's how we are. A lot of times we have metaphors for things. The problem is, metaphors can change. The problem is, the metaphors aren't always good. You know, there are some ways in which money is not like time. Okay, or time is not like money. You ever had a special time, right? Where this time is, what we would say, more valuable. Okay, you ever had a time where you were hanging out with friends and you were like, "Oh my goodness, it's ten thirty. Where did the time go?" Okay, right? I guess money can be like that too. <laughs> but, um, but, but sometimes time is special, and it's not like money, and it goes way beyond the metaphor of money. I wonder if we miss out sometimes. On thinking spiritually about experiencing God in time just because the metaphor falls short at some point metaphors matter they shape us for good or for bad metaphors are powerful so if you think of yourself as a victim that that puts you in a certain position in your relationships where you're helpless you're hopeless everybody's against you okay then if we change our metaphors we can actually change how we think about something and metaphors change themselves, right? How many of you know? Rainbows don't mean what they used to mean. Okay? Okay, I used to know people that had Confederate flags, and they, they, it was just a, that you were country. You were country. But for some other people, that metaphor, that flag, meant something very different. It meant fighting for the right to have slavery. And so, it, it, see, we don't even always agree on our symbols, on our metaphors. So what semioticians do, what, what people that, I'm, that I, I studied with are like, um, is they try to look at the symbols, read the signs. So some people who have got degrees in what I have a degree in go work on Wall Street because they can read where are the signs, where, what's the market telling us, what, uh, what is the advertising supposed to be like. The idea of understanding the signs. S- semioticians are sometimes called cultural anthropologists. Because they're like trying to figure out how do we, as a culture, where does our culture come from? And where is it going? And how do you read the times? Because recognition can actually lead to recognition. If I recognize the metaphors that I'm using or where the symbols are going, I can actually uh, recognify them, I can rethink about them. Change your metaphor, you can change your life. What are some of the metaphors that we use for life? This is a deep one. What do you think? What are some of the metaphors that you've heard you use for your life? Life is like a box, like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. It's a great metaphor to show how metaphors always break down, right? Because some chocolates are labeled. Okay? <laughs> then you know exactly... Some, some boxes of chocolates, you're getting all the same thing, okay? We, uh, we get peanut butter meltaways. It's all peanut butter meltaways. There's no I know exactly what I'm gonna get. Sometimes in life, you know exactly what you're gonna get. So, metaphors only go so far. Yeah, life is like a box of chocolates. What are some other things, people? How do you talk about life? Life's a journey. A journey. Yeah, I hear this one a lot, a lot of people. Journey, a path, a, a road, a highway. Um, a dance. Okay, what else? Roller coaster. Roller coaster. I hear that one a lot. Yeah, what else? What else? Other life metaphors. Worth life worth living. It's a gift. I hear that sometimes. Life is a gift. All the world is a what? A stage. So there's like a play acting sort of metaphor you hear sometimes for life. It's a blank canvas. You ever heard that one? Sometimes life is a burden. It's a pain in the back, right? say. Exactly. Um a marathon it's a game it's a uh, how about it's a poker game anybody You got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them right There's metaphors for life What about metaphors for work Metaphors for the work for your for your job for what you do for a living Another day in paradise, Another day in paradise? Yeah that's a sarcastic that's a, that's a sarcastic man Another day in paradise 9 to 5 9 to 5 yeah Live live in the dream, assault mine. Yeah, some of them are very slavery oriented, right? I got to pay the man. I'm working for the man. Anybody say this job is killing me? How about that metaphor? Right? I'm going to work myself to death. Performance. Ever had a performance review? That's a metaphor. A ladder or a mountain to climb. That's always an interesting one. Uh, a, A shooting range. Okay, you don't think about this as a metaphor, but how many of you have have targets at work? Okay, you got you got quarterly targets. You got goals you're trying to achieve. Those are that's a target. Actually, a lot of sales is hunting and fishing metaphor. If you really think about it, I'm amazed how much of our work is about busyness. How much of the way we talk about work is about busyness. Oh, I'm buried. I'm buried. I'm so far behind. What other, anybody else? Take this job, is Okay. <laughs> Take this job. I didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> How many people, when they're starting a company, they're creating or they're birthing a company? Right? No, we, we talk about this stuff in terms of metaphor. What about families? Family is another one. What are some of the family metaphors? What are, what are metaphors we have for family? You can't pick, you pick your friends, you can't your You friend. can't pick them? Okay. What, what are other metaphors for a family? circus. Huh? A circus? <laughs> That was my wife. Circuit, or, or a zoo. That's so we Yeah. Or an asylum, right? right. Uh, uh, family trees. Okay, that's a whole metaphor, right? The, the, there was a town near where we grew up. and The joke there was that the family trees don't fork, we just got to keep going. Um, You'll get that later. <laughs> uh, family trees. But here's an extension of the family tree metaphor. Roots. How many of you have heard families? These are my roots, right? Um, Yeah, they're a team. My wife rules the roost. He's a chip off the old block. They're the black sheep of the family. I got the old ball and chain with me. Anybody use that one? I got the old ball and chain with me. Now, I know some of these metaphors we use are jokes. Okay, they're playful, right? But watch Watch out for the jokes you make. Because sometimes the jokes you make are actually mirrors of the stuff you think and you feel but you don't necessarily want to say. So you joke about them. It's always, comedy is always like that. Yeah, metaphors. you see how powerful these metaphors are? And do you see how those metaphors could control how you behave? If I talk about my work like I'm a slave, how much energy am I really bringing to it? Okay? If I talk about my family as my roots or my tree, what happens when I don't want to do what my family wants me to do, right? If I see myself as a victim, how does that help? You know, that can really hurt me in relation. A lot of psychology is actually about helping people change their metaphors. Change your metaphor, you change your life. Now, doing my doctorate of ministry, I actually learned how to do this not just with people and with culture, but, but being part of a ministry program, we learned how to read the Bible this way. One of the things I think the Bible is doing, and we've got to learn how to read it this way, is the Bible is giving you a bunch of metaphors. It's giving you stories. It's giving you pictures that you can live your life by. Okay? And, and the people who, who use these metaphors in their lives, how many times did Jesus give a story or a symbol to try to encompass what he was trying to say? On the front of your bulletin, it says Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. My rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Those are great. If you're going through a lot in your life right now and you're really like struggling, put some of these songs about how God is your protection and your safety on the wall and on your dashboard and all over the place and in the mirror so that you can read these. because These are metaphors that can change your life. Bible school of metaphors for God. Our problem is we don't know the metaphors. My teacher Len Sweet one time was talking to this girl and uh, she said, man, you know, I'm really struggling and nobody's really calling me out in my life. I need some accountability. And he said, you know what you need is a Nathan. Referring to the prophet that goes to David and tells him that he shouldn't have slept with Bathsheba and, and killed his wife, right? Or killed her, killed her husband. You need a Nathan. And she looked at him and said, I need a hot dog? <laughs> How do the metaphors help us if we don't even know the metaphors? So let me, let me give you three big metaphors. I'm, I'm, going, I'm just giving you three big categories of metaphors for life that the Bible uses over and over and over again. And maybe these are the metaphors we should build, be building our life around. One is the ag- agricultural metaphor. We see this all over the place, but two major ones. John fifteen five says, "I am the what, the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing." Or Psalm one three says, "He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in the season. And if the leaf does not wither, all that he does, uh, and its leaf does not wither." In all that he does, he prospers. So here's the metaphor. You're a plant. That's what you are. You're a plant. And this was an agricultural society. So this is how they thought. You are a plant and you grow. And if we set up the right environment, you should grow. And if you should grow, then you should what? Bear fruit. I mean, Paul, Paul loves this metaphor. Okay? Jesus says that he's the vine, you're the branches. So what's God doing? He's nourishing you. He's growing you. So that you would bear fruit, Paul even lays out what that fruit is. Galatians five twenty two, the fruit of the Spirit: love, joy, peace. He gives you the whole list. That if you're really growing, you should have those things. So what? But you're you're not just a plant. Here's the other image in the Bible: you're planting, you're sowing. Okay, in Galatians six seven and nine, it talks about how you're sowing and you're you're reaping what you're sowing. Everybody. So when you go to work, you're sowing. You're planting seeds. Okay? And the results you're getting in your life, they're, they're probably due to what you're planting. See how powerful the metaphor is. What if you start to think about work like sowing and reaping? What if you started to see your life as God is growing me and am I abiding in the vine? What if these metaphors actually started to be important to us? Did you train up your child? You, you tend to your business. You produce. What would it be like to think of God's sowing you in difficult times, in in pruning you. Where is God watering you? How are you getting you? What what, what are you building your life on? Building that is the second metaphor, the architectural metaphor. You find this all over Scripture. The idea that you are a house, you're a building, and God is building you. Okay, 1 Peter 2 4 and 5 says, As you come to Him, A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here's the image your house. You're a house. Actually, you're a temple. And that's a whole other image. You are architecture, and God is building you up. And the question is, what is God using to build you up? And what are you building your life on? Jesus tells this great parable in Matthew 7. Remember it? The wise man built his house upon the the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. What are you building your life on? And we don't just build ourselves up. Jude 20 says that we should be building one another up. That part of our jobs is building each other up. And then Paul takes the metaphor even further. He says some things build and some things tear down. But there are some things that are important. 1 First, First Corinthians 10. You can look up Paul talking about this. Certain things in your life do not build up. They tear you down. They tear down what God's trying to build in your life. And certain things you can build your life on. Okay? So the, the question is, what, what are you building? What is God building in you? What are you building your life on? What are you building your business on? What are you building your family on? What are the cornerstones Right? What what is what are you what are you dwelling in? What are you thinking about? And what ways is God able to dwell in you? Because you're now a temple. You're now a house. Third metaphor is the athletic metaphor, and this one is particularly Pauline. Paul loves the athletic metaphor. Of course, he works in the Greco-Roman world where the the Olympics were important. Okay, where sport was important. And so Paul loves the athletic metaphor. 2 Timothy 4:7 I have fought the good faith. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So Paul loves this metaphor. He uses it actually quite often. And it's not just that you run a race, it's not just that you fight a fight. 1 Timothy 4:7 says train yourself for godliness. The word train is actually in Greek gymnaso. Okay, like gymnastics or going to the gymnasium. Train yourself. So Paul's saying, train yourself. Discipline yourself. Right? An athlete doesn't just go out on the field after eating potato chips and sitting on the couch for three months. That you train, you, you discipline. You and then when you go into the fight, when you go into the run, you run that you might obtain the prize. 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four. Or Hebrews 12.1 says that we run with endurance the race set before us. The image of a race, I think, really works. You ever feel like your life's a race? It's a marathon, everybody. Anybody ever told you that? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah, that's Paul. Paul's, really, Paul's like that. You've got to endure. Okay? Or, or it's a fight. You ever feel like you're in a fight? Okay? That's very Paul, too. Paul says in 1 Corinthians nine twenty six, I do not box as one beating the air. In other words, I don't shadow box. I'm in the fight. Okay, I'm not pretending to fight. I'm really in it. How are you doing in your life? Are you training? Are you disciplined? Are you running? Are you fighting with endurance? Are you keeping the faith and heading towards a prize? It's not always easy, is it? When your business is struggling, when your family feels like a fight, when you're in a long race, when you're in the later rounds of a boxing match. Paul says you keep fighting with endurance for the prize set before you. See, these are metaphors that can change your life. The Bible has lots of them. There's other ones. A lot of animal ones, particularly sheep and shepherd, or fish and fishers of men. There's also religious images, like living sacrifice, being a living sacrifice, carrying your cross, imitating Christ. What are your metaphors? How do you think about stuff? You change that, you change your life. I remember a couple years ago, this was before I came to this church, uh, I bumped into a couple that I had done their wedding and they decided they wanted to come and they needed to come and talk to me. I didn't know them well. It was one of those, I did the wedding, I did their premarital counseling, but they hadn't come to church. And so, but, but when they sat down, she was so sad. She was so distraught and angry. And uh, the husband was, was just, just totally downtrodden. What turned out, they had a miscarriage. Okay, they had gotten married and uh, gotten pregnant maybe six months later and then had lost the baby. And she, she in particular was just mad. And I remember her talking to me. She said, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I had done so much good. I had quit smoking. I had straightened up my life. I wasn't partying anymore. Like, I had really cleaned stuff up. Why would God do this to me? And I remember sort of processing that as I was talking to her, thinking, "What is your view of God? Like, what's the fundamental metaphor that's underlying that conversation about how you relate to God?" Well, for her, God was almost like a vending machine. Like I had put in my good works, right, I had done all this stuff, and God wasn't giving me what I deserved. That's just a bad metaphor. I mean, that we're trading God, our good works, for good works back from him. That's, that's not a biblical understanding of God at all. Most of the characters in the Bible suffer tremendously. Right? And in her pain, that's what she could see. But, but do you understand? That's a faulty metaphor. And that metaphor, she was experiencing God in very poor ways through this very traumatic time. But her metaphor was bad. Hey, that's that's not God is not a vending machine. And if you think of God that way and then stuff goes bad, of course, you're struggling. You'd be struggling with the loss anyway. But the bad metaphor makes it worse. Your metaphors shape your life. What the Bible is trying to do is trying to throw so many metaphors at you because it's saying, hey, why don't you live these metaphors? We talk about the Bible as the inspired word of God. But if it's the inspired Word of God, then these are the inspired metaphors of God, everybody. These are the metaphors that God has given us to build our lives around. And we don't know them. I need a hot dog, right? We don't know these metaphors well enough to even make them the metaphors of our lives. These are the inspired metaphors of God. They're the metaphors of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We can build our lives. You can build your lives around these metaphors, around these stories, around these scriptures. So here's my question today. What, do you, what are your metaphors? How do you think about your work, about your family, around your life? What are the signs? What are, what are, what are the signals? What are, what are the things that you're using? And they may not be immediately obvious to you. It may be like time is money. You may have them. You, you have them. But you just never really thought about it. You don't even think about them as a metaphor. You just think time is money. That's how we talk about it. That's how I talk about work. That's how I talk about my spiritual life. But what are those metaphors? So you've got to take some time this week. This is, this is one of the sermons where you got to take a little bit of time with this. What is the language you use when you go to work? When you talk about your family? When you talk about what's going on in your health? What are the words you use? What are the pictures? What does is, what is the language betray about what you're thinking and what you're feeling about what you're doing? Okay, that's, that's semiotics. Because, because I want to say, if you can recognize those, then you can recognify them. You can, you can go from recognition to recognition. You can rethink your metaphors. And I would say that the agricultural metaphor, that you're a tree or a vine, the, the architectural that God is building you, or the athletic one that you're running a race. Those are some really good ones if you want to start to change to biblical metaphors. So wrestle through them. See what works for you. Or maybe it's a new metaphor. Okay, Paul seems to be really playful with metaphors. I think we can be too. So maybe your metaphor isn't necessarily a biblical metaphor. But can we root it in the Bible? Does it agree with how the Bible thinks? Change your metaphor. Change your life. May your metaphors be God's metaphors and may he be shaping you through them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.